very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to enjoy tonight's full interview and every program we have ever done, just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. And if you want to really give your life an upgrade, and I guarantee it, because he has given me an upgrade, go to sanitasradio.com and take a listen. You won't be disappointed. And by the way, I want to thank all of the Veritas members who spent time with me at the Free Your Mind conference a few days ago. I really enjoyed meeting a lot of you. I had no idea that I was going to find so many Veritas people out there. I didn't even announced that I was going to be there, so I'm glad that I had a chance to spend time with you. Some I wasn't able to, it just said hello, but as you know, the lectures were great and we had to spend a lot of time listening to all those wonderful speakers. But for those of you who I had the pleasure to spend some time with, I hope I can do the same with the others in the future. Maybe we need to do a Veritas reunion or, or a convention in the future. Still working on that. Any ideas would be appreciated. By the way, coming soon. We have people that recommend us all the time. I was, as I was mentioning during the Free Your Mind conference, a lot of people recommend friends, relatives to join Veritas and Sanitas. And I want to find a way to reward you for that. So for that reason, I'm coming up with an affiliate program. So stay tuned, go to our website. And that way, when you recommend somebody, you will also receive a portion of that subscription. And to get in touch with me, you want to be a guest on this radio program, have questions, suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact button of our website. And tonight we discuss a plethora of topics, too many to mention here, but with a guest that we've never had before, but should have had before, and I'm sure it's not going to be his last appearance. Tonight's special guest is Marty Leeds. Marty Leeds is the author of four books and a new one that will be released sometime in 2016. He has many video lectures series available for free on YouTube. Marty discusses a range of subjects from symbolism, numerology, astrology, Freemasonry, alchemy, and more. Marty has been a guest on many popular radio programs and has lectured throughout the United States and Canada. He's a musician, he has several records, and by the way, I've been listening to his music in the last couple of days, and I love it. His website is martyleets33.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Eugene, Oregon. And for the first time on Veritas, I would like to welcome Marty 
leads. Hello, Marty, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And by the way, may I use one of those songs for the uh, the uh, bumper music? Loved uh, 54 Days and many of the other songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Go, Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, Marty, you are one of those people I encountered while researching, and then I say, why haven't I been exposed to Marty before? And then the truth is, you contacted me us years ago, and I guess your message fell through the cracks. So nonetheless, better late than never. And I'm glad you are here today because I don't know where our conversation will take us, but I do know it will shatter some paradigms, and I will, I will hope that it opens people's minds, even though I'm sure lots of our listeners know who you are. There may be plenty who do not, since you're, this is your first time on Veritas. Give us some of your background beyond what I read on your bio. What brought you here today? Um, okay, well, I've been studying uh, lots of different subjects for quite a long time. Um, I mean, kind of the, the in a nutshell, the story of my trajectory anyway has been you know, basically in my mid twenties, that sort of thing, I started asking a lot of like the bigger questions about our reality, about what I was doing here, where I came from, where, you know, where I was going, why would the world seem so screwed up asking questions like, you know, is there a God and that sort of thing. And I was a very like scientifically minded person and, and, and still am very much so. Um, but, but my studies in the sort of hard sciences in the paradigm that's accepted now wasn't really giving me the answers that I was looking for. And so that ended up sort of careening me into a, a, a different kind of study and th that being focused more on, you know, the esoteric, the occult symbolism, secret societies, conspiracy, um, that sort of stuff. And so ultimately that search, um, kind of merged, it was like a, a merging of science and creativity. I, I was always a very creative guy, a songwriter, you know, writing poetry and, and things like that. And so I think a lot of that creative impulse sort of merged into my own studies. And that just led me eventually to look into numbers because everything that I had learned from like all the masters, if you will, you know, like whatever, you know, what is it, the Plato or whatever, you know, all the people in our past that have sort of like given us uh, wisdom, you know, try to bequeath sure. us wisdom have said that numbers are this language. You know, if there's something going on in the world of numbers, that's very important. And what I ended up coming to find was that and how I've come to understand it anyway, and what I'm trying to teach is that numbers are a language of this creation. And that if you want to truly come to understand your creation, creation, meaning your role in it, what you're doing here, and that sort of thing, you have to come to learn to speak the language of the creation itself. And so and with that language being numbers, you know, numbers and geometry. And so that's, that's where all of this sort of led to and um, basically one night after studying sacred geometry quite a while. I was really heavily into numerology, sacred geometry, number symbolism, the qualities and uh, properties of numbers. Uh, one night I basically had this sort of flash or a little like mini revelation on pi. And that pi was this um, pi being the, um, you know, the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. Right. It's very, um, very mysterious number, really very mysterious constant in mathematics had this sort of revelation on this, that this, this number was sort of a representation of the creation of our universe. And that because the creation of our universe, um, we can understand this numerically, we're going to see this 
it reflected in all sorts of things in our creation. And so that's where it kind of led. And then that spilled into language and, and yada, yada, yada. But basically, that's sort of the backstory and how I'm even speaking to you today. <laughs> well, the same thing happened to me years ago when I realized that the Fibonacci sequence is absolutely everywhere from the microcosm to the macrocosm. Has the Fibonacci also taken you by surprise? That was one of the things that allowed me to start to understand. And I think a lot of people get this when they get, you know, this feeling or understanding when they get into sacred geometry and numerology and, you know, just the study of number itself, that the Fibonacci sequence is, um, you know, it's evidence of intelligence. It's intel It's uh, evidence of order. It's, an, it's evidence, in my opinion, of a, a creator. And so that was one of the things that really sort of, um, you know, it, it really kind of dumbfounded me that here I was learning the Fibonacci sequence on my own. Yet I asked my brother, who is a college graduate, had a lot of advanced math. We're talking advanced trig, advanced calculus, advanced, you know, th that sort of thing. And he had never even heard of the Fibonacci sequence. He, had, he didn't know anything about it. You know, and he and this is a college, you know, graduate. So that that was one of the things that really kind of struck me. It was like, here, here's the simple ratio that a child can understand that it's, you know, your human body's built on it, flowers are built on it, you know, rivers meander, you know, that sort of thing with the Fibonacci sequence or the golden mean, golden spiral. Um, kind of a strange bedfellows there. But, um, you know, this is one of the things that allowed me to understand that, yeah, there's there's order. And not only there's order and architecture and intelligence with creation, but you can come to understand it yourself, that human beings somehow are given the intelligence and the ability to actually go and understand this, you know. So I remember years ago, I saw a 13-year-old student replicating a tree. He was trying to find energy energy via solar panels and he looked at a tree and said you know the trees have a fibonacci sequence what if i create an artificial tree with solar panels and he was able to maximize solar power that way that's when i started finding where fibonacci is in our hands in our body and in everywhere in 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 flowers you name it mm -hmm. and that's that i actually know what you're talking about there too it's really interesting that you know in in one respect when you look at what that kid was doing is what he was doing was aligning himself with the intelligence of creation itself which in my opinion is a creator you know a great spirit if you will and so when you align yourself with that the wisdom is going to come out of the thing in and of itself you know um and that's kind of what i've learned with my own study I always repeat this like ad nauseum sometimes, but that, that I'm not that intelligent of a guy, but that somehow when you study numbers and things like that, you allow this, the intelligence of the creation itself to roll through you. And when I look back at, when I look back and I look forward actually at all of the things that um, the videos I've produced and, and the books and things like that, every sort of like flash or little revelation or moment of clarity was something that just popped out of you know it's just i mean I'm, I'm a musician and a lot of times you sit down and you'll you'll strum a guitar and you'll get nothing you'll get nothing you'll get nothing and then all of a sudden bam this uh, this riff or this this chord progression or this idea will just spring out of it and that's the same thing with numbers for me it's like you st when i've studied numbers it was like you know you just study it and something will come out of it something that you weren't expecting at all um, there's this uh, there's this great quote it's by w e dubois i think is his name and it says when you have mastered numbers, you will no longer be reading numbers any more than when you read w read words when you're reading books. You will be reading meanings. 
And that's really what it is for me that, you know, when you study math and I read math now, you're reading meaning, you know, read meanings of this creation, not just cold, dead, dry artifacts of some cosmic hiccup as, as we're taught in our yeah. uh, current scientific paradigm. You know, and the force, the catalyst, the motivation of this radio program is finding answers. The primordial questions are the foundation of, of this program. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? And we can go to a shaman, a priest, a rabbi, a pastor, you name it, and they will tell us their version. And all we have left is a belief or faith. And we don't want to believe. We want to know. In order to, to know, we must find ourselves the truth without a guru telling us. Or, or as Joseph, Joseph Campbell says, I don't, have to, I don't have to have faith. I have experience. What's your take on that? That's what it's all about for me. Um, when I went into this study, I mean, I was, I'm an autodidact. I grew up, you know, listening to the Misfits and Sam Hain and Black Flag and the Dead Kennedys and shit. You know, I mean, I yeah. was always a very rebellious sort of kid. And so that, you know, when I, when it came time to actually starting to understand spiritual concepts, starting to understand uh, and question science, being the foundation of science being mathematics. I took a very rebellious approach to it and I realized that, you know, I have to come to understand this stuff myself. I can't go to a guru or a shaman or a sage or a priest and have them tell me about my world because no one knows it better than I do. And so when I teach this stuff, I try to the best the best way I can anyway, try to relay the information the best way I can and then tell people that look, you have to take it on your own. If you're coming to me for answers, you you know, that's the first mistake you made. You know, I'm not saying I don't have some things to share. I really believe I do. Um, I believe that these things are infinitely important, infinitely important. But at the same time, I'm not the guy with the answers. Everyone, every single person has their own answers. And I think that anyone that's saying anything else than that, in my opinion, is just full of shit. And speaking of music, judging by some of the bands you mentioned, am I correct in saying that you probably grew up in the 90s? I did. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I was born in 1979. So, okay. Uh, okay. So yeah. You, yeah, but I also detect classic rock in, in your music. So you are obviously aware of the music before the '90s and music after the '90s. You know where I'm coming from. Have you seen a huge difference in the music industry after 1989, 1990? Um, you know, I don't know. I just have a. I'm sort of like a um, just a music fanatic in in one way. Especially getting older now, you know, it's like I've had so many. I've listened to so many different genres from classical to classic rock to country to Americana to funk. You know, and so I, I, I yeah. So I appreciate all of those. You know, all of those genres of music. Um, is there like maybe a degradation in music? I don't know. I, I guess I would say yeah, but that might just be me being 37 years old saying, <laughs> oh, these kids these days don't know how to play rock and roll. You know? <laughs> well, I'm referring to what happened, what allegedly happened in 1990, I believe, when somebody from the music industry went actually to Beverly Hills and met with, uh, you probably have heard this story, met with uh, a, a lot of people from the industry. And, and uh, he had a, a person coming from what was going to be the new prison industrial complex and at the time all the prisons were, were government owned and then all of a sudden we have the advent of the prison industrial complex it became privatized it's publicly traded in the you know various exchanges financial exchanges around the, the the nation and probably the world and they said we need your help because in order for us to fill these jails 
these prisoners. And by the way, you, people may be thinking, well, why are you bringing this up? Well, because I, th- I know Marty has a huge spectrum of topics, and he's a musician. I want to get pick his brain. So he told all these music industry leaders that he needed his help in order to fill these jails. And uh, now the, the more inmates we have, the more money the prison industrial complex makes. And that's why crime was glamorized in the 90s. And we see this huge spike in terms of the prison population. Your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the backstory there, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, I mean, there definitely was that. Um, and I think Speaking of, uh, we, we talked a little bit before the show, but you were just at Free Your, the Free Your Mind conference in Philadelphia. Yes, right. I don't, th- I, th- I don't think Lennon Honor was there, but I believe he was slated to go. But this is something that he covers very, very well. I think he was looking at NWA and how they were really glamorized in the early '90s there, and it was all about, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, domestic abuse and you know all of that sort of thing, you know, the glamorization of drugs and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a, definitely a theory you could, you know speculating on i haven't really looked into it but i wouldn't doubt it you know well speaking of the fear of my comforts there was somebody there who discussed exactly this topic and he will be a, a guest in the next few weeks mark devlin hello mark from the uk he wrote a, an excellent book i forgot the title right here uh, but it's it's dealing it's a very lengthy book but it's the whole thing we're discussing here how music now is is becoming more of a mind control tool and you know that's very concerning to me you know, this is actually a really good point um, because any medium or any media can be used as a mind control tool, which doesn't mean necessarily that it's, you know, uh, evil or good, you know. And I think this is a really important point. So is music used for it? Absolutely. Are, are movies used for it? Absolutely. Is the, you know, the the Super Bowl and all the major sporting events, are those used for mass mind control? Absolutely. You know, does that necessarily mean that football is a bad thing or that, you know, you know, uh, you know music is bad? Not necessarily. This is... Um, this is something that I actually uh, – a, a main point like, that I like try to relate to people about um, looking at some of the subjects that I talk about being you know, gematria and numerology and the secret societies and things like that is that not all of this stuff, it was the, – the, the impetus behind it or the catalyst behind it was to, for evil things, you know, for evil purposes or, or, or malintent. Um, a lot of these things can have good intentions and be used – for malicious things, you know what I mean? And so that that includes everything from the music, the language, the symbols, um, organizations, it's in and of itself, being secret societies or religions, um, you know, the political landscape, you can get a bunch of people that get together with, uh, you know, uh, good intentions in the beginning. And then what can happen after a while? You know, the cockroaches can get in. And so this is something that I really I try to stress with people when coming to look at some of the things that I'm presenting is that you need to be a little bit tempered. You need to be reasoned because it's so easy to just yell, you know, if like you look at a Freemason symbol or you look at the Star of David or something like that, you say, ah, a devil, you know, that's where the Satanists are. You know, and we and what I try to bring to the table is we have to be very, very careful with that because I, I, I as I've come to see that when doing that, you tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, and that, um, you know, there, there's there's so much good in, in a lot of this stuff and it gets overlooked because it's so easy to just have, uh, you know, uh, to scream, you know, there's the devil, there's Satan, there's the, you know, that sort of thing. Absolutely. And by the way, Mark Devlin's book is Musical Truth. Highly recommended. I, I kind of glanced through it when I was there. But absolutely what you're saying is, you know, I was thinking when you were saying Freemasonry, I was thinking, 
how, why is it so demonized? Is it because it, uh, in the, the, the impression, the perception people have of Freemasonry is that it's a secret club where people tend to discuss certain things and you get to be a 33rd degree Mason and so on. And all that information is not available to the public. So the perception is, well, that secret club police planning our demise in the future. And that's not the case. And honestly, but there, you know, I also say this too, it, it that could be the case as well. Um, this is the thing that I, um, once again, one, I, something I like to stress is this whole idea of like an evil, the, the dark and light side of the occult. And most people, because they've been indoctrinated their whole life, they, you see, you know, somebody says occult, as I'm sure you know this. And next thing you know, immediately yeah. there's this sort of gut reaction that everything that has to do with the cult, occult or hidden is therefore evil and is here to deceive us and, 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 you know, the whole of mankind being. And that's to me is just not the case. But I will say that there's, um, you know, when you look at the occult, you have the, the dark and light. Are there dark occultists within these secret societies? And were some of these secret societies created for the express intent of, you know, deceiving mankind? Yes. But I will also say a lot of these secret societies were also there to be custodians of the information, to be custodians of the, a body of knowledge that helps mankind understand who he is, his true sacredness and his true divinity. And that is the thing that I don't want to get thrown away while we look at what has happened to, you know, as we're talking in this, in this example of Freemasonry. Obviously, Freemasonry, the Freemasonry of today, I'm not a Freemason. I'm not part of any sort of secret society or anything like that. So I don't really know. But from what I gather, the Freemasonry of today is a, a feeble imitation of what it was. You know, I would say the same thing with for Christianity. I would say the same thing for Islam. I would say the same thing for a lot of these things that what what was once noble and pure and good has now turned to crap. And so the best thing that we can, at least for me, the best thing I can do is go, you know, spelunking, go mine, you know, that body of knowledge and try to pull out everything that is beautiful in it and show people show people what, um, you know, this true wisdom that's been passed on through all, you know, all several generations. And a lot of times had to be passed on secretly because it was, uh, at, you know, there was a threat of this information being destroyed and has been destroyed. And I will say this about Freemasonry with a lot of the things that I discuss. Um, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, but I have to say it because I have no other choice, Mel. I have no other choice. Like, you know, a lot of the things that I've learned, have come from Freemasonry, have by, by, you know, uh, looking at their symbols, reading their books. And so much of this has been very positive for me. It's, it's changed my life in ways I never even thought possible. And it's also helped illuminate a lot of other people that have actually paid attention to the things that, you know, that I'm presenting. So when we look at, when we look at Freemasonry, it's such a controversial subject to even bring up the word Freemasonry. And it's like, I mean, even especially lately, I've gotten just tons of tons of hate mail lately because it's like oh you're a satanist and you're oh you must be a freemason how's it like down at the lodge it's just yeah. like it's like you don't even know me man like it's just it's it's gets a little crazy and i'm trying to bring a little bit more balance to that you know? yeah, absolutely i get that all the time and I've, i interview freemasons all the time and believe me i know freemasons who are very nice people family people and i know they would not do anything bad to, to, to their brothers and sisters in humanity. And it gives me curiosity. I won't lie to you. I'm curious. 
Would I go to a lodge in if I'm invited to, to not to join, but just to be exposed to some of what they have to say? Absolutely. Does that make me somebody who's going to, you know, conspire against? No. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just like the Dogon, the Dogon tribe, they had to go into hiding because they were being persecuted, you know, Egyptian priests that they were. And it's natural that they would impart their, na- their, their, their knowledge now via initiation. Does that mean that they're, they're trying to conspire against humanity? No, but they have to keep that knowledge to themselves and impart it on those that they can trust. Yeah, it, I, don't, I think people forget that we live in a very, very unique time where we can freely, we can have this conversation without being burned at the stake. You know, there's been, you know, large swaths of history where you even mentioned paganism or occultism, or whatever, and you, you were, you know, you were killed, you were burned at the stake, you were stoned, you know, you were ostracized, you were persecuted, you know, and we don't live in that time right now. So we live in a time where information is, you know, dispersed freely. And so we, I think we get a little bit um, cozy, you know, um, we're lucky, you know, we're very lucky to live in this time. I mean, because we can actually have these conversations. Um, there was, there's this um, documentary I watched it was a couple months back. It's called more than that, but uh, it's called the burning times. And it was talking about how um, it was like, basically like this 300 year period where if you even mentioned Satan or the devil or anything like that, you were tortured and killed, <laughs> you know, I mean, just, you know, if it even left your, your mouth, you know, it was like, there was this mob mentality in which you were killed. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of environment that, um, alchemy had to subsist through that Freemasonry had to live through Gnostics, you know? Gnostics, exactly. You know, that had to, that had to live through. And so when people say, well, I don't really like things that are hidden. It's like, man, I don't think you understand that this stuff had to be hidden. And the thing that I like to always say that if, um, you know, if the things that I'm presenting are correct, which I absolutely believe in my heart of hearts, they are, I mean, not everything that I'm saying, but you know, the, the general thrust of everything that I'm presenting, then we can actually go and thank those people that did hide it. Because it did last till now. It did last till the current present time in which it can be exposed again. And so I have to look back at my brethren, at the people of the past and say, thank you, because without them going through hiding this and encoding this and doing such a bang up job of it, that um, it wouldn't have lasted. That this information that I'm sharing with the general public today would have would have been dead, would have, you know, would have been destroyed. And that would have been, a, a, you know. That would have been terrible, you know. I mean, the 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 most the, the saddest thing that we could do because it's. I mean, you know, it, this this has allowed me to look at my hands and you know just count the phalanges in my hands and say, oh yeah, there there's God here. Of course there is, you know. You know, I think of I thank all our listeners for making this radio program a reality because it's it's the platform that allows me to speak my truth. But in the past, before this this radio program started. I would have conversations with my circle and all the time, the majority of the time, I would get them saying, Mel, stop it. I'm very happy with my version of the truth. And I realized that unless people can come together and listen to people like you, like me, like some other other, other people out there, you cannot get this information out there. It, it shatters their paradigm and people don't want their paradigms shattered most of the time. Yes, that's <laughs> people. Don't, people don't want. I mean, I, honestly, uh, it, it, it's it's a difficult thing to do because 
people have to shatter their own paradigms. All you can do is present the information, do the best in, um, you know, guiding them through it or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, what, whatever it is we're talking about, what's going on with Freemasonry. We could talk about numerology. We could talk about spiritual, uh, you know, spirituality and religions. We could talk about flat earth. We could talk about all these things and, um, you can bring them up to people, but if they don't go through the investigation themselves, and if they don't challenge their own beliefs, it doesn't really, it, do, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, because it's, it's a personal thing. You know what I mean? You have to go through that pursuit yourself. And that's, um, that's the cold, hard fact of it, you know? And a lot of people just don't want to do that because, well, they've been conditioned to do that. They've been conditioned to just, you know, bread and circuses kind of thing. And um, right now we are in, like I said, we are in kind of a unique time where um, that's sort of falling apart. People, the transparency, it's getting more transparent to see how much bullshit we've been fed. And um, the more people that wake up, the more people are going to get hip to, wait, wait a second, you know. What, I haven't heard of this idea before. I haven't heard of this, you know, perspective on religion before. I haven't heard of this perspective on numerology before. I haven't heard, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, you know, I, we live in important times, man. And you're right. You're right. You, you can try to, to show people the evidence. You can bring a horse to water, but you cannot make it think. People say you're going to make it drink the water, but you cannot make that horse think. Bread and circus. A lot of people think, oh, that's something that happened during gladi gladiator times, Mel. But all you have to do is turn on the TV on a Monday night or on the weekends. And you know exactly what I'm referring to. And this is everywhere. People are distracted with this. Yeah. And I mean, even because it, it's it's weird because I pretty much everything I talk about and I write about is controversial in, in some respects, whether that's religion or numerology or symbolism or any of that stuff. It's, it's controversial. So there, there'll be times where I'll be in a group of people having some beers or I'll be at work and talking and things like that. And you'll, you'll see when something controversial comes up and it isn't uh, doesn't necessarily fall in line with what people's perspective of the world is. You can kind of see them shut down or they'll start talking about, hey, what was Horatio doing on CSI Miami last night or whatever, you know, because it's so much easier to just fall back on that sort of lazy, like you know, we were saying, bread and circuses type of mentality than it is to challenge yourself and say, hey, you know, maybe I've been wrong for the last 35 years of my life. You know, how many people are willing to even do that in, in this society? You know, um, Maybe your listeners are, you know, and which is great. We might be preaching to the choir a little bit here, but there's there's a huge, huge demographic of this world that are not doing that. And um, that's got to change. You know, we've got to do something to um, help usher in a, a, a new world, you know. How do you handle this knowledge that you have acquired through the years with what is discussed at work in the lunchroom, for example? How do I handle it poorly? I handled it very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I expected that. Um, it's a day-to-day -day thing, you know, it really is because sometimes sometimes, you know, it's like a, a wise man once said nothing, right? <laughs> sometimes you just have to shut up. Sometimes you just can't say anything. You know, sometimes um if especially if you planted the seed enough, if you know, you just keep beaten the, these ideas at somebody, it's like, you're going to make them angry, you know? So, um, a lot of times the best thing I've done is like, Hey, I'll be open to talk about it. I, I try to approach the subjects, which are very, you know, like I said, controversial, very, you know, uh, testy subjects. I try to approach them with reason. I try to approach them with some humor and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's like I said, it's a day-to-day -day thing, man. You know, recently, we have 
I'm going to say it, folks. We had to close the forum down. We have a forum that we had to close down because when the Flat Earth started, that's not that it started, but I believe it was April, May last year, we got flooded. First of all, I got flooded with people emailing me saying, please, Mel, look at this, look at this. And I'll be the first one to be humble enough, a man to admit his mistakes, to start emailing people back saying, please don't waste my time. I was one of those people. But it wasn't until a few of my trusted friends, very successful people, some in Canada, some in Europe, some in the United States, said, Mel, please watch this or watch that. Take some time. Just please do it. And these are people that you would think, what in the world? Why are they even looking at this nonsense? And I started looking into this. And the more I looked and the more I wanted to disprove all of them, the more I could not. And then fast forward a few months later, I'm exposed to your work. And the first video I watched is titled The Ultimate Litmus, Flat Earth, The Ultimate Litmus Test. And it already, it's been about, about a month, it already has over 207,000 views. And I have to say, it was very, very well done because you did it in a very impartial way. So anybody who's learning about the Flat Earth and you want to refer a video to anybody, I think this is one of those videos that can actually make people at least Take the horse to water. What's your take on your video, your own video? Marty, Hello? Marty, you oh, there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I thought okay. I got out for a second. Um, yeah, the, the I, thank you, by the way. I'm glad that you really enjoyed the video. I worked very hard on it. Um, it shows, whole, yes. Yeah, the whole impetus behind the video was to try. To, I, I hadn't seen, I'd seen lots of flat earth stuff. I investigated it pretty, pretty heavily as soon as it, you know, I started to take it seriously, which really didn't take that long. Um, that's a whole other story in and of itself. But, um, you know, I all the videos I'd seen were very polemic. They were very polarized. Everything was like they had already come to the conclusion and they were telling you how it is. And a lot of times it was extremely negative too. you know, people, these videos calling people idiots and, you know, you're a dumbass if you don't think this and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that was never my approach to any of this stuff, you know, because I knew many times, I know for a fact, many times in my life that I'm that dumbass. I'm the guy that doesn't know. So I didn't, I didn't want to approach it that way. And so I wanted to try to make a video that would try to sum up the entire discussion in, in one respect and present the case as fairly as I could, knowing that I had already come to my own. I was I knew I was biased because I had already come to my own conclusions, but I also knew that I was biased previously with, um, you know, being a, you know, someone who believed in the spherical model, that sort of thing. And so that was the whole you know, that, that was the impetus behind the thing was to just try to, um, just try to, you know, give a little bit of balance to the force there a little bit and just present the case in the best way that I could. And I'm really happy. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's fantastic that that video is done so well. I mean, yeah, it's like a bit, I think it's like a month and it's 200,000 hits and that's the most viral that thing that I've ever done. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a little bit frustrating too because I've worked so hard in trying to bring all of this other all of these other aspects of our reality um, to uh, the esoteric or occult aspects of our reality it, to people in a very um, almost like kindergarten way or you know very easily a way that you can easily understand these things that's not convoluted and that sort of thing and so you know there's the the the, the 
the language cipher and there's the whole thing with pi and there's like the, you know, looking at numbers and number theory and the symbolism numbers, um, sim, you know, symbolism in and of itself, how numbers are tied to all of these religions, how numbers are tied to all these secret societies, how the mathematics of your hands and your human temple can point to the fact that you are this, this creative that you were created, you know, that, that you are not some stupid accident, you know? And so I've done all this work to do that. And, you know, it gets 3000 hits here, 2000 hits here. And then I do one flat earth video and it just goes off the charts. And don't get me wrong. Like I say, this is not me playing the world's smallest violin here or anything like that. I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, it's, it's a little bit frustrating because I've wanted to help people in this other way too. At the end of the day, I don't know you know, what the earth is. I haven't been to the edge. I haven't knocked on the dome. I haven't went outside and looked if it's, you know, into space and seen the ball or what. I don't know. I don't know. I don't claim to know, but I can look down at my hands and count the phalanges in my hands that I can know, you know, I can, I can walk up the number line and find a, a story of creation within the number line, just within the properties of numbers itself. I can do that. Anyone can do that. So those are the things are, I feel are, you know, infinitely important that are, I am, um, it's, it's just kind of in one way, it's just kind of sad that it's like a lot of that stuff gets brushed over as soon as you say flat earth. I mean, if you make a YouTube channel right now and you just start posting flat earth videos, you'll probably get two, three, 4,000 subscribers within a month, you know, where I, oh, within a week, yeah, within a week where I've had my YouTube channel for, I don't know how many years now. And I've, you know, it's taken me this long to, subs, you know, to, procure 16,000 subscribers or whatever. <laughs> so it, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword in, in one, one, in one way, you know, I'm very grateful for it. I'm happy. I'm glad people are getting it. I'm glad people have responded the way they have. Um, but I don't want the rest of this work to, you know, be lost too. You know, if, if people really despised this topic so much and I see the comments on the videos that I've made on yours and I see the trolling and I see the attacks, the hominem attacks, then why are they even watching? That's the question. Why are they even watching 200,000 views? And the one aspect I don't understand, Marty, is this. Many of my colleagues who discuss Bigfoot, aliens, Area 51, spirits, you name it, the most out there topics that you can possibly imagine. Yet, when you mention the flat earth and ask valid questions, they complete, completely dismiss you. And, you know, this, this shows the level of conditioning. You know, and it shows it with you and it shows it with me because I had the same response too. you know, when I first heard it, I was like, you know, I was like, what? That's ridiculous. You know, I mean, I, I know, you know, Aristophanes way back in the day and Pythagoras, and blah, 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 you know, and was like, hey, we got NASA up there and shit. And so I had the same response that most people do, you know, and to me, that shows the level of conditioning. What's really frustrating for me is the people that are the sort of freer minders, not I'm not talking about that conference. It's just people that are open-minded open -minded, people that are looking into alternative theories and things like that, that won't, like, as you just said, won't even touch this yet. They'll look into, you know, how we were mating with an alien race 4,000 years ago or how there was lost civilizations or how we're, you know, there's disclosures coming next year, you know, all of this stuff, but you won't talk about this, you know, to me, and, and we've been beaten since we were young, this has been beat into our heads that, Hey, earth's a globe. It's a globe. That's it. Done. Science. End of conversation. You know? And so that just shows the level of conditioning. So all those people that are just sort of laughing it off and then claiming that, uh, you know, that they're open-minded and, and good researchers, it's like, you, you, in my opinion, this is how I feel personally. I felt like I had an obligation to look into it. 
and then and actually say what I thought about it. Why? Because I've I'm you know in one respect sort of a public figure. Whatever people have followed the, some of the things that I've done, I've talked, and lectured, and written books and things like that. I'm not just going to ignore something that is this big, you know. And the people that are, or people just kind of writing it off, I feel like that's they're being wildly irresponsible. That's just my personal opinion. I totally understand it. But when you ask valid questions, for example, somebody was discussing satellites the other day, and I started looking into it, and I thought, wait a second, in order for a satellite to go up, it has to go through the many layers of atmosphere, atmosphere, exosphere, and the thermosphere, which is typically, but what, 200 degrees Celsius, that, that's during the day, but it can get, I'm sorry, in the evening, but it has, to, during the day, it's about 2,000 Celsius, that's 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit, folks, and aluminum, melts at 1,221 degrees Fahrenheit or 660 degrees Celsius. So a satellite, the Apollo mission, and I'm not talking about the Van Allen belt here. How in the world did they go through it without melting themselves? And what about the Hasselblad cameras that went allegedly to the moon and took all those nice pictures that now are more or less lost? Your take on that? Yeah, I think the I think the overall pr- uh, problem is is that you know when since we've you know since we started our federal education curriculum or whatever you know you mean we, indoctrination yeah the indoctrination exactly there's no education there at all um, you know we've been given givens knowns by the establishment saying hey we got to figure it out we got to figure it out don't worry about it we got this you know this is how the moon works this is what the moon is there's water up there this is what the sun is 93 million miles away it's traveling 483,000 miles an hour through the blah, blah 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 we got this all figured out and you're really not smart enough to figure it out and so when something like the you know the flat earth comes along and really all it does is bring up more questions than answers well, people don't like that because it's like, no, I was already given the answers and now you're questioning those answers that I was given and I'm not, I don't, I'm not willing to do that. You know, um, I think that's really the biggest problem and people don't, I, um, I think we alluded this to earlier to this, but the people don't like living, you know, people just like living the world that they, they accept the world that they were given, right? They just like living in that world. It's, and, and, you know, to, to challenge that, shake that up a little bit can be uh, very stressful for people. I would also say this too. There's a lot of people that are not psychologically able or they're not in the place uh, socially, psychologically, economically, whatever, to even investigate heavily a lot of this stuff. You know, they may not make a lot of money at their job. They might, you know, be overworked. They might have a lot of stress. They might just be dealing with some turmoil in their life and things like that. And then all of a sudden you go and throw them, hey man, guess what? You've been lied to your whole life. Well, (laughs) they might not even be in the position to even deal with it. So yeah, you also have to understand that there's, you know, that contingent out there as well. So, um, but yeah, we've been given knowns our whole life and, and we almost, um, like reared into this environment to not even ask the questions. And, um, you know, luckily now we live in a time where we can ask the questions and we can even talk about it like we are now. I think it's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Seeing the globe for the moment we go to school and seeing it in our classroom forever, year, day after day. I used to collect globes, which I don't anymore. And that doesn't mean, folks, that I'm a flat earther, but I'm neither a, 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 a globe uh, earther either. Because the question is, we have Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's supposedly the authority on science these days and for NASA. 
and tells us that we actually live in an oblate spheroid that looks more like a potato. If that is the case, they, why haven't we seen a single photograph showing us that oblate spheroid? Oh, watch them. After I said that, maybe watch NASA all of a sudden say, well, we took it from a different angle, but here's, here's the real one. Or the most recent video showing Epic, you know what I'm talking about, Epic, showing the moon going going around the planet, but yet we don't see a single cloud moving. Do they really think that we are that dense? Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, they've they've indoctrinated us to be. And most people like that idea. Most people like the idea of infinite space. Most people, and the, I mean, the other thing is like when you take away all those ideas and then you say, well, hey, here, I think we're getting a little bit better understanding of where we, what Earth is and where we live and that sort of thing. And then you say, well, it's kind of a terrarium. Everything revolves around us. Well, that to me immediately points to a creator. Now, I don't, need a ball or an or a flatter i don't need any of that shit to understand the creator i don't need i, don't, I mean i could be on the back of a crocodile and understand there's god you know what I mean? <laughs> so um that's that's a different that's a whole different conversation but you know um yeah i mean i i, I think people just like that whole infinite star wars star trek you different galaxies we're going to eventually go there we're going to go to the moon we're going to go to mars and everything like that and then when you take all that away and say you know, hey, um, none of that shit's true. Well, that's, you know, once again, that's years of indoctrination by the media, by Hollywood, by are the science programs, you know. I mean, you remember Space Camp, right? I mean, I don't know how old you were or where you grew up or whatever. Yeah. But NASA Space Camp, that was a big deal, man. Like all the smartest kids could get to go and, you know, possibly become an astronaut. And it they was, don't have it anymore. Uh, what's that? They don't have it anymore. They don't? No, and I'm asking because I remember I had relatives who actually went there in the 90s. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I try to pay as little attention to that as possible. So, but, you know, that was a big deal. It was like, you know, there was this, this, uh, it was, um, I don't know, it was, it was like probed the imagination. It helped, you know, flower the imagination for kids. And in some way that's good, uh, except if it wasn't a lie. I'd like to send my daughter, she's nine, to ask him uh, if she can be shown a real picture of our planet. We have the the Hubble telescope. We have thousands of satellites up there, but we don't get to see a single image of our planet. And we get all these galaxies. We have uh, the Hubble years ago when he took that picture, which was the size of a, a the a size of a the tip of a pencil, and it showed hundreds if not thousands of galaxies and we get to see a picture of our own galaxy and i think how did our galaxy take its own selfie like that do we have the technology that allowed us to go all the way out to take a picture of of our own galaxy fully yeah. well i mean you're not i mean in some respects like to even ask that question for scientifically minded people is just like oh well you don't know you're not an astrophysicist shut up mel you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> and people still have that mentality. I mean, that's how so many people are even approaching flat earth. I don't, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything like that, but I will say this though, that the people that are arguing for the spherical model right now, every single, at least the common sections that I've seen on my own video and things like that, it's void. And it's like the infinite space that they believe in. It's void and vacuous. You know what I mean? There's just, there's no substance there to try to, um, argue their position. And, um, that's, that shows sort of like the downfall of it, of, of intelligence in, in one way. 
recognizing it will can can recharge humanity in one way you know recognizing that we, we we've been lied to you know and asking questions has nothing to do with being a psyop because what i get from most people is mel this is a psyop you know what the psyop i think it is the psyop is those who say that this is a psyop that is the psyop oh this is a distraction or even at the Free Your Mind conference, there was a group of people who invited me to a little flat earth meeting. And they were all smart people, smart people with valid questions. And I was happy to be with them just interacting and asking all these questions too. And they just don't understand why it is that those open-minded colleagues of ours seem to just ridicule and say, don't even go there. That is the part, that is the biggest question I have. And most of my colleagues in the radio industry, in, in, in the alternative news industry, nobody that I know of discusses it. Yes, there are some that allow some people to discuss it, but they do it in a very, very derogatory way. And I just, for the life of me, I just don't understand why. And those who are listening to us may be thinking, Mel, because you're stupid by discussing this. And those who say that have not taken a look at a single video a single piece of evidence yeah the psyops i mean psyops is psychological operation right so the psyops is our education system now whether even if we still live on a sphere even if the heliocentric model is absolutely true right hypothetical here we know for a fact that they lied about most other shit right i mean all you have to do is look back and it was like ah, 1492 columbus sailed the ocean blue everybody thought it was the earth was flat he thought it was round boom you know, discovers a new world, proves them all wrong. You know, we we know that's all. You know, he was a, you know, he was that guy was a maniac. He was a slave. You know? I mean, it, it, all of it was it was a lie. So why not this? The psychological operation is our education system. I mean, the psychological operation is the government in and of itself. I mean, how many people have discussed the etymology of the word government? Ment, mentis, mens, meaning mind, mentality, mentation, mentor. Govern means to steer. So the government is there to steer your mind. So they've been steering our mind since we were young. And one of the things that they beat into our heads, is we're, you know, is the, is the globe, you know. So the psychological operation is our education system, period. Um, the people that are calling it a psyops, I would just say this. Maybe maybe I am falling victim to a psyops. I'll be the first to admit it. I'll make a video on it. But what I want you to do, if you're calling it that, and I think there's people out there that – I'm addressing a few people directly, honestly, by saying this is that if you're going to call it a psyops, bring out the, you know, the evidence, bring out the information. Don't just call it a psyops and then brush it off because basically what you're doing is insulting researchers and colleagues that have supported your work. You know, if you're going to say that I am falling victim to a psyops by making a flat earth video. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm hip to that. I want to hear you out. You know, um, but you better you better bring some evidence, you know, and if you're not doing that, then all you're doing personally is just kind of insulting me, you know, and I, that's that's just not cool. You know, I get attacked all the time because I discuss how I, I don't believe that we went to the moon and I've had many people discuss this topic and I get Oh my goodness, so many emails from people saying that, Mel, come on now, you know, you believe, you should believe in some authority at least. You, you should not distrust everyone. And the first thing I say is authority. The word authority comes from the word author, which means write. They're writing your entire destiny. Do you want somebody to always be writing for you? 
Do you, why don't you become your own authority? Do your own research. Get out of that paradigm and start looking into what could possibly be the biggest conspiracy of all. Because imagine if in reality we are special and we are not a figment, a piece, a, a grain of sand in this vast universe that we're allegedly living in. What if, what if we are more special than we are led to believe? Well, I think that there, there's a disconnect, too, with people that um, that are arguing against this sort of flat earth movement saying, oh, it's a psyops or um, it's it's distracting from the real things that are going on. Exactly. The people in the, the like, I'm going to say flat earth community or whatever, I think they realize that this is the one thing that is very provable that most people that if they take the time to look into it, they can come to this conclusion themselves. And with that foundation you can you can go to the governments of the world on mass unify people and go to the governments of the world and say hey man we all know that every single one of you every single one of those government space organizations and every government of the world has been lying to us and now we can prove it this is the one thing that we can hang on and it also allows us to see that the whole sort of like the binary polemic or whatever of our of at least the, the United States political spectrum, the, the Democrat Republican thing is all. I mean, most of us know this anyway. It's all horseshit, right? I mean, because well, what was going on through all the Democratic and all the Republican um, people that were in office? NASA, NASA. <laughs> so you know, I mean. If, you know, if you can actually go and show this, it's like, okay, well, that means all the Democrats and all the Republicans and, you know, and anybody that's been involved in government that knows about this stuff have been lying to us. And it's got nothing to do with whether you're on the left or you're right. If you're going for Ms. Sanders or Trump or any of that stuff, you know, this is the one thing that can actually uproot everything and say, hey, um, the people need their rights back. The people need to become authorities again. Uh, authority. Let, sorry, I don't mean to go on a little diatribe here, but authority is such fine. an important word. Authority. What is what you said? Or authority comes from author, right? Well, who's who is the author? Who is the authority of you? Well, um, let's see. Who is the authority? Who authored you? Well, the creator or the creation itself. That's who authored you, right? Okay, so that's your authority. So you have to abide by the rules and laws of Mother Nature. Period. You know, try to defy them. Good luck. So that's your authority. Now, when you're born, your parents are your authority too. Why? Because they came together and they made love and they, you know, created you. They authored you. They wrote you. They authored you. They created you until you become old enough to author your own life. And then you become your own author because why? Because you're authoring your life. So therefore you are your authority. So really man, when he becomes he or she becomes old enough to um, make decisions for their own life only has by the very word itself two authorities and that's god and you period end of story you know so what i think the new what i think one of the things that the flatter thing can actually help us to come to realize too is that we cannot tr no, we can no longer trust these authorities or even call them authorities at all because they're not you know they they're not the people that are writing our our world we we are the ones to write our world you know author our world I remember last year, you probably remember this too, there was the largest hurricane in recorded history going to Mexico, to Puerto Vallarta. And I remember following that because I have friends down there. And I was thinking, look at this thing, it's huge. But then as it was approaching, I was contacting my friends and they said, we don't even feel rain. We don't feel anything at all. And that's when I started looking into who really feeds 
the weather information to all these TV stations, and I believe it's only one source. And the same thing happens here. I'm in, in Tucson, Arizona. Sometimes I look at the weather and it says it's going to be cloudy today. And I start observing from the morning and there's not a single cloud. All of a sudden you start seeing the, the tic-tac-toe patterns from the chemtrail planes. And all of a sudden the, the, the whole sky is, is cloudy. So obviously there must be a link there between, and I don't mean to continue digressing and jumping around, but I'd like to get your take, especially you living in Oregon, where I saw that supposedly they're going to start, if they haven't started yet, spraying lithium lithium because those two areas, Washington and Oregon, have a high incidence of suicides. Have you heard about this? I haven't heard about that, but I will tell you this. They were spraying our skies all today. I rode, I ride my bike to work and it's about a, you know, I don't know, four or five mile ride or whatever. And, you know, I just peek my head out of work and I'm looking up at the skies and, you know, there's these long, you know, the long clouds. And as I'm riding home, it, lo- it looks like the town, the whole of the town was just foggy. And it wasn't fog. It was, you know, it's hot. It's, it, I mean, it was just crazy. It's like literally you can just see it. And I don't see how people cannot even recognize it, you know. Um, but then again, people are trained not to, you know. People, um, you know, they don't they don't pay attention to that thing until you bring it up to them, you know. Um, it goes back to one of those things as well as far as, you know, I don't mean to jump around or anything, but, you know, as far as chemtrails, like you can point it out to somebody and say, hey, look at that. Uh, no, that doesn't seem right. That's not a contrail. And they could deny it all day long. You know, until they go and investigate it themselves and then come to the conclusion that something's not right. I don't know what that is. I don't know what they're spraying, but something ain't right, you know? And it was horrible today, Mel. It was, I would like, it was, I was like, it was heart wrenching, you know, riding home. It was I crazy. Get, I get people, I mean, I remember, you probably know who Dr. John Coleman is, the Tavistock Institute. You know who he is? Um, no, I'm the not sure. The Club of 300, I mean, great books. This is, this is a man who has written many, many seminal books. And at the end of the interview, I decided to ask the question about chemtrails. And all these open-minded people who look into the, deep into the rabbit hole. And when you mention the word chemtrail, it's almost like you're Dracula throwing some holy water at them. And I don't know why. And I tell them, okay, fine. They say that it's just regular contrails, condensation trails. But then the next day, there's nothing in the sky for the whole day. Does that mean that all commercial airliners are taking a break today? Yeah. <laughs> but once again, it's like you could you could bring that up. You can reason with the person. You can show them the proofs and things like that. But until they come and, and recognize it themselves, you know, that's the only thing you can do is just be a purveyor of information. You know, you start trying to force things on people. They're just going to retract. You know, that's that's the experience I've had anyway. Absolutely. And we have to take a one and only intermission. But when we come back, I want you to tell me about gematria. This is new to me. The holy number seven. What is language? I've always wondered this. In the past, we have seen all the structures. We have seen pyramids. The all of a sudden, as Graham Hancock calls it, pyramids in Egypt, pyramids in Mesoamerica, almost at the same time. Could it be that we had a universal language, universal religion, unity, consciousness on the planet, but something happened along the way where we have this demarcation everywhere, languages, religion, cultures. I want to know if you have looked into this. Why is it so pervasive, this divisiveness that we see all over the world that keeps us weak, separate, so that those on the top can always take advantage of it? How can people learn more about your work, Marty? 
Uh, best place to find me is martyleads33.com or martyleads33 on YouTube. Um, and then I'm also, I'm also on Facebook, Marty Leads, if you want to follow me there too. And I post stuff every day. And um, yeah, uh, so the best place is there. Yeah. Wonderful. And folks, you know that I usually focus on a certain topic, but this is an introductory interview with Marty Leeds because I know he'll be back in the future and we'll be more focused. But this is just a, an exchange of information with a great, great thinker. Don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Veritas. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com, click on members, or subscribe. Or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur, earthing and grounding products, supplements, a USB drive with all our shows, gift certificates, rebounders, fulvic acid, full-body vibration machines, and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy. Could you be everything that I have been imagining? Or am I setting up for another bout of heartbreak and sin? And this old torture is not quite pain. Some days my song, it comes in sheets of rain I guess we're gonna find out In 54 days Can a man truly know if he never goes and takes a chance? Gotta learn to crawl before you walk And learn to walk before you dance And my feet I'll shovel right to you I swim that vast ocean of Pacific blue No matter what I do I'll be seeing you In 54 days In 54 days
like the sun rise up and spit their flames love shifts the tides new and full to a waxing wane and I'm got in my vessel to you afar following the path of your north star I'll be wherever you are in 54 days in 54 days